Welcome to Jesus Pursuit's weekly sermon, where our mission is bringing the good news and demonstrating the kingdom. Join us live for Worship in the Word Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on our YouTube channel. We hope you are encouraged and equipped by this week's word with our associate pastor, Nathaniel Stubbs. Yeah, and we just thank you for a fresh hope being released this morning. A fresh hope being deposited in us this morning. Yeah, if you need fresh hope today, just stand up. Um, go ahead and stand up. If you need fresh hope, stand up and just stretch your hands out towards those people. And I just declare up that the Lord is hungry for you. The Lord is thirsty for you. The Lord is seeking you. The Lord is chasing you down. And I just declare that God is going to give you fresh hope in Jesus' name, that God is going to give you fresh vision in Jesus' name, that God is going to touch you with his hand. He's going to touch you with his love in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Yep, we just pray for hope deferred to break off and false expectation, or expectations not coming to pass and to break off. We just pray for clarity right now, clarity right now in Jesus' name, that the fog would lift in Jesus' name. And we just declare that for you and your household, that you will be blessed, that you will increase, that you will come into breakthrough in this season. And, and I just, just speak um, that your ears would, be, would not hear the, the voice of the mocker. <clears throat> I can't remember the names exactly, but when the son of promise was born, the son, I think it was born of Ishmael, or maybe that was his name, mocked Isaac because he was born of the spirit. And, and Ishmael had been born by the slave woman. And religion in that mocking voice mocks what the Spirit is doing in you. And I just declare that the Spirit is doing something in you. As you wait on the word of the Lord, as you wait on the promise of God, He is birthing an Isaac in you. And I just pray that your ears would not hear that mocking voice. Your ears would not hear the voice that says, where's that promise? But you would be able to look boldly and step forward boldly into the land the Lord has given you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm excited for today. I want to talk to you guys about unity. So who's excited about unity? Yeah, unity and family. There's, a, there's something we're doing um, every other Wednesday called the table. You've probably heard it announced. Uh, how many of you guys are going to the table? The table is awesome. There's free food. So now no guy has an excuse to not come. <laughs> anyway, there's free food. It's good food, too. And, uh, and we do teaching. What's that? Oh, thank you for asking. It's at 6.30 p.m. It is this Wednesday. And then, you know, it skips a Wednesday, and it's the next Wednesday. There's food. There's teaching. There's activation. We sit around a table and... Uh, once we hear the teaching, we discuss it together. It's really good. And I'm, I'm going to teach a repeat uh, teaching that we did a couple weeks ago about family, the power of family and, and unity. And I'm talking out of Denny. Denny has a manual called uh, Awaken Standing on Solid Ground, Solid Rock. I think I, I always get it wrong. And uh, this, this is coming out of there, okay? So we're going to dive right, on, right in. Holy Spirit, would you just speak today through this message and awaken us in Jesus' name. So, his quote inside of that manual, it says, As a new creation in Christ, we are made to live in the presence of God as individuals and as the family of God. So, we're going to open up to John 17 as well, and we can put that up on the, on the projector. We're going to sit in John 17 for a little bit. We can put that scripture up. So, I'm going to read it to you right now. This is in the Passion Translation. It'll come up. I'm just going to start reading it, though. I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. So there's you and I. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given to them so that they will be joined together as one and, the, and experience the same unity that we enjoy. 
you live fully in me, and now I live fully in them, so that they will experience perfect unity, and the world will be convinced that you have sent me. For they see that you love each of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. So there's a measure of the presence of God that is designed to be released through you as an individual. Amen? Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? And then there's a measure of the presence of God that is reserved and designed to be released through a body, right? Or a family, or a group of people that have one heart, one mind, one passion. And and we we really like to camp around um, one or the other, where it's all about the the body life. If you're not in the body of Christ, then you know you're lone rangering it, you're lone wolfing it. You got to be careful. And then there's a whole other camp of like just going into God inside yourself and having your own individual expression, right? But it's not either or; it's both and. And I would like to even argue today that argue. Let's not argue today. <laughs> We're talking about unity. We're talking about unity today. I would like to show you. Maybe that's not much of a better word, that, um, that unity, that a relationship with God inside of you always results in a relationship that is horizontal. So whenever you have a vertical encounter with God, with Christ, the hope of glory in you, John 17 actually shows us that that is directly correlated to the bride of Christ, to union with the body of Christ, and you can't have one without the other. That one actually pours into the other. So there's I think this is really important in our, in our day and age, and, and why <clears throat> Emily asked me to re- talk about this message, reshare this message, is for me and my perspective, this is maybe one of the main things God is doing right now. Because division is daily bread, amen, for us. So much division, uh, so much this side, that side, so much my team, your team, so much, uh, there's a lot of truth on both sides. Anyone find that confusing? You know, that's the real hard part. You know, discernment isn't, isn't hard to have discernment when it's clearly right and wrong. <laughs> discernment is when both sides have right in them, and you have to discern the spirit. You have to discern the agenda behind it, right? So, and, and that's what evil really does, is evil is always cloaked in a lot of truth. Evil always has knowledge. Uh, you know, the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil, and and worldly wisdom isn't, isn't dumb, stupid things. It's actually wisdom. In other words, people will really walk in power and insight and knowledge that builds them up in this life. That's worldly wisdom. But it leads to destruction. It leads to destruction. And so we have to have discernment. It's not that, uh, it's not that we need to have discernment to see the devil with the pitchfork and the horns. We need to have discernment to see the agenda behind, which is division. And division is such a big thing. And this is, I think, one of the keys to breaking through division in our time. The world is on the hunt for a family with God as their father. They are desperate and hungry, and I'll get to this later, for God as their God, but they're also desperate and hungry for his family. They're desperate and hungry to belong somewhere and to be loved and to see his love on display in people. So... I just said a lot. We're going to start here. Unity is a choice. Amen? Unity is a choice. It's not a birthright. You're born into the family of God, but you choose unity with the family of God. We all know uh, family is cultural, not just blood, right? There's, there's a lot of blood families that have no uh, family culture. You guys, you guys all know a family like that? None of us right in here. We all have great family culture. You know, you see people who are brothers and sisters, they have the same blood in their veins, but there's actually not a culture of family. And then we, we've all seen, like, teams or uh, job environments or, um, you know, schools, and you're like, those people are a family. How do you been to, like, a football game or a basketball game? They all have one mind, one purpose, one vision, one heart, one agenda for the night. It's to crush the enemy. <laughs> That's good. It's to win. Like, remember Emily's message, I'll believe that, I believe that we will win. And so we see these cultures of family, like, for, for me, I grew up around uh, 
um, my brothers are all in the military. They're all in the military, and then one still is. And the other two are cops. And I've seen there's a lot of facade in there, and there's a lot of junk in those areas of work. <clears throat> but, man, it has been so appealing to me. I even went on a ride along the other day with my brother. And there's something that comes alive inside of me as a man, as a human, where I'm like, man, this, like, I want this job. Like, I, I, and so I'm thinking, like, what is it? It's, they, they all go to work with one mind, one purpose, one vision. They're united in one heart. And they're, they, in both the military and the police, they have one goal is to protect their buddy and to protect the city. Or for, in the military, to defend freedom and to destroy evil. And this one mind, this one heart, this one passion, it, it, it motivates them. My brothers did crazy things, going to ranger school, going to trainings, jumping out of airplanes, like just getting thrashed on their bodies. And the stuff they've seen is crazy, and it's all for one purpose, to defend freedom, to fight the enemy. And when you see these people that there's this brotherly bond there's this amazing strength. There's this force that's to be reckoned with because these people have committed to one thing. And I see it in, in teams, like when you watch basketball teams. I love basketball. They will put aside every difference just to go win a championship. And they will guard each other's backs just to get to the goal of their dream, which is to win a championship. Right? It amazes me. And, and deep down inside of us, we all have this this thing that God put on the inside that says, I was supposed to belong to something bigger. I was supposed to belong to something bigger than me. And yes, that is God, but God also made us to reproduce. And he, made, he has tons of kids. <laughs> he has tons of children. And that's what I mean by that, is that he actually designed it into our DNA that we would create family. And so you were created to actually benefit that family. And, and we're actually called a body, right? And, and so you're created to be a part of a body and to contribute to a family and to help frame up and create the expression of Christ in the earth. And we were all created with this deep desire to belong to a family like that. God created you to worship him and contribute to him, but also to his children. I, I thought I heard my daughter's voice. I think I did. Um, <clears throat> the world as well, though, is look, I said this earlier, the world is looking for God, but they're also looking for God's family. A place where they belong, they're believed in, and they're loved, and where they can contribute where they can actually be of use. Not, that's not their value, but they give value, right? We were created to give value to a community. So that's kind of the backing of why, why am I talking about that? Because the world, we're actually called to be that expression in this world. I want to talk about three keys, three keys that will unlock unity in the body of Christ. There are probably thousands of keys and there's probably thousands of levels to these keys. So I just want to throw the thought your way, open the door for you, and say, hey, you can go inside if you want and uh, explore this a little deeper. So can we get John 17 up there? Let's see if we can get it up on the projector. Great job. Okay, so let's go to verse 22 and 23. It's two more down the way. There you go. Okay, here we go. So step one, um, the first key I'm going to talk about is in these two verses, it's the presence of Jesus given to us, okay? The love of Jesus, relationship with Jesus. For the very glory that you have given to me, I have given to them. That's verse 22. Verse 23 says, you live fully in me, and now I live fully in them, so that. So both of those things, so that they will become one, or so that they will come into perfect unity. So I've given them my glory so that they may come into perfect unity. I live fully in them. They live fully in me so that they may come into perfect unity. So this is a really interesting, I, I was just meditating on this this week. And I was like, Lord, what do you mean by that? Because it, what if it's that simple? <laughs> He's like, okay, I have this dream. 
this dream that my family will be so united that the world will know that I am God. That's what it literally says. It says, the, um, the world will be convinced that you've sent me in verse 23. In verse 21, I think it is, um, yeah, I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. So his desire is for that to happen, and his solution for that, how that is to happen is he gives you his glory. That's really interesting. And then he says, also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live fully in you, and the Father's going to live fully in me. So how does that work? It, when you behold something, right, you become like that thing, right? Like with sin, we've, we've learned that if, you're, if you struggle with sin, the more you behold the sin, the more you become the sin, right? But if you behold the Savior, then you become saved from the sin. Amen? The way you get free of sin is, is beholding Jesus because he's the one who sets you free. If you go to a club to, to get rid of your sin, you will just become more entrenched in that sin, right? I don't want to offend anybody. I just, that's my personal experience. I should say it that way. Clubs never set me free, but Jesus really did. And clubs can be about Jesus and do that. But beholding his glory transforms your image, right? So this is all throughout the scripture, like in 2 Corinthians 3.16. I didn't give that one back there. But as we behold, as we turn to the Holy Spirit with an open heart, we behold the glory of the Lord as in a mirror, and we are transformed from one image, from glory to glory, right? So as we behold the glory, Jesus says what? I have given them my glory. As you behold the glory of the Lord, it transforms your image into his image. And what is the image of God? Behold, the Lord our God is one. The, the Lord our God is one God. That is saying he, he's the only God. It's saying also he is three in one. It is an absolutely fundamental piece to his expression is I am in the Father, the Father is in me, the Holy Spirit is in me, I am in the Holy Spirit. So as you behold the image of Jesus, you are transformed into his image, which is oneness. In other words, if Christ in you, experiencing him, causes you to discern him, value him, honor him, and treasure him in other people. So I'm knowing them not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So I can see in Keegan what it is that I can see Christ in Keegan. And it's not like, let me just look past all that stuff and just focus on Jesus and ignore you, right? Christ is one with Keegan. Christ is one with Jonah, with Aaron. Christ is one. And so you begin to honor, you are joined to the living God. But you cannot do that unless you've discerned him within you. Right? You cannot honor the glory in another person unless you beheld the glory of the Son. And so he says, I've given you my glory so that you can be united as one. There's so many things the glory can do. Humble you. Like if you can't see Christ in another person, and I'm preaching this, this whole message, by the way, is to me today. So don't feel any condemnation. It's all, this is like, I'm preaching to myself. If you can't see Christ in another person, it's because you haven't been looking for him. <laughs> it's because you're, you're looking at yourself. Like, if you see condemnation in a person, it's because you're being condemned. If you see someone and you have condemnation for them, it's because you've been busy condemning yourself. Like, we are designed to flow from the inside out. And God puts his kingdom where? Within you. He puts Christ where? In you. And he expects us to live from the inside out. And express the victory from the inside out. Not by strength or might, but by my spirit, which is on the inside flowing out of you. Everything in the visible world was created by the invisible world, right? The invisible world is supreme. So he puts all the power in your invisible man. Anyway, so you have to learn to, to operate from the spirit. And when you behold him, you become like him. And when you become like him, you're actually going to bless those around you. Who doesn't want to love Jesus? Jesus is lovely. 
So we just got to become more like Jesus. Such a simple message. Um, but that's why he gives us his glory. One of the reasons why is it actually changes your image into what you behold. It, it transforms you. It transform, It changes your form into the form of Christ. Uh, it talks about I live fully in them and you live fully in me. And I think this one, one of the reasons is an unsatisfied Christian life is not the life of Christ. The life of Christ, he says, you'll drink and you'll never be thirsty. He says, rivers of living water will flow out of you. He says, his father will provide everything. Every spiritual blessing has been given to you in Christ. We are partakers of the divine nature through the precious promises of God. Like, there is... There is a nothing that you can lack in the Christian life. And he says, I've given my life fully in them so that they may be one. How does that make you one with the body of Christ around you? Well, if you're beholding his glory and you're turning into his image, which is the fruit of the Spirit, and then you're going into Jesus the Lord, like remember the door message that I gave a little bit ago? You're going in and being satisfied by him a lot of our problems disappear at that point that we have with people. Have you ever noticed that, like if you have an offense or a problem with someone, but then you, you experience the love of Jesus, there's no more room for that offense? Because the offense was because of a, a lack. It, you're offended at the person not preaching the message you want to hear, or you're hurt that the church doesn't provide the thing that you need, or... Um, I'm not trying to make it personal here, but like, let's just say you have these offenses at people in the room, and it's because I'm not free. I'm lonely, and you're not making me feel like I belong, and I'm offended at you. Or I struggle with this purity, and you don't provide something that makes me feel like I'm progressing somewhere in my failure. You know, I, I'm still stuck at the same place, and you know what? It's your fault. <laughs> it's your fault that I have not experienced freedom. And we all do this. I've done this. You know what? It's, it's my wife's fault. <laughs> it's, you know what? It's my kid's fault that I don't have patience. And actually, it's my church's fault. Because if, if they were closer to me, if they knew me better, if they had more programs, I wouldn't be the person I am today. I'm just saying what people say. I'm not saying you guys say this stuff. And, but if I'm actually experiencing the life of Christ, I have something to give to you today. If I'm, if, if he lives fully in me, this is what I was talking about in Ephesians 3, his dimensions of love, I'm constantly by my faith discovering how much he loves me. I then, from the inside out, can give what I've discovered, right? And, and, when I'm coming into my family unit, I'm not trying to suck from Courtney affirmation because I'm insecure. I'm not trying to use um, my job to feel like God's moving in my life because I have time with him every morning where he, he fills me and moves through me. And we have a relationship. And I'm not using my job to validate my identity. I, I've been given an identity in Christ. Are you guys following me? And when he lives fully in me, and I live fully in him, and I abide in him, and he abides in me, my, I then go out into life wanting to give away and express this fullness that I've come into. Well, let's just look at the picture we just painted. You begin to look like Jesus, and then you begin to give Jesus away. No one's going to have a problem with that. In other words, you're going to become the most attractive person in the room. And it's not for your sake, it's so that people actually are safe in your presence. Brokenness can come into your presence. Immaturity can come into your presence. Insecurity can come into your presence. Sickness can come into your presence. And none of it is going to be about you. You're going to have, hey, I've seen, I've been transformed to understand God wants to do this in this moment. You know, I'm just using an example. Or I am so full of life that you, what you just said to me that was meant to be an insult, come in closer. Let me love you and serve you in this, in this season. 
Like you actually become transformed where you can be like Jesus to people, right? And Jesus is saying, I have a practical plan for you guys to become one. I'm going to get on the inside of you. I'm going to shine my glory on you until you start to look like me. And I'm going to be loving my bride through your life. What if two people did that? What if the whole church did that? The world would look and say, oh my God. God is in a church. But instead, we are busy being right. Not all of us. Me me included. I'm preaching to myself up here today. Or we're busy being discouraged. Or we're busy being worn down. Like you feel like you've been tires on the road like 20,000 miles beyond your expiration date. And you're about to burst under the pressure. One more road trip and I'm going to die. I need new tires. You know, you're worn down. We're busy because God gives us the remedy, which is I'm in you. I'm forever loving you. And if you enter that relationship, I promise you, you will be renewed. They that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. You will soar on eagles. You'll see from my perspective, I've given you every spiritual blessing inside your spirit, man. And so the invitation is to know that Jesus, to know the Lord, so that we don't have problems, but we have presence, you know? And we can release to each other love instead of anger and frustration. And we're all susceptible to that. And we're all in the journey of entering into Christ in deeper dimensions. And we have to have grace with each other. We're all in an identity process. So the first one is the love of Jesus. The second one um, that I want to talk about is the mindset of Christ, okay? So there's the presence and the glory. Then there's this mindset, and this is in Philippians 2, 2 through 10. This one's really fun. Um, So I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, one love, walk together with one harmonious purpose, harmonious, I said that right, I think, and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. Next verse. Here, I'll read it from here. You guys follow along once it changes. Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts. And I want to say something real quick here. And I'm not going to say this well enough, okay? So just have grace for me. But there's this pendulum swing that we all do as a church, right? Where we react to something and we swing the other way. How many of you witnessed that, right? Okay, what, what I don't want to communicate, and I feel like maybe is subtly, subtly communicated on accident when we talk about unity, is lay down what you think is true to agree and become one with the church. Lay down your opinions. Don't have any opinions. Just, just become one with the church. You know what I mean? And I disagree with that. And here's why. I think we're all powerful, and we're all our individual expression of what God's saying, Right? And we need to champion people's opinions. Let me say that differently. We need to champion people being able to have their own opinion, right? Like if you're convinced about something, and, and there's a lot of opinions right now in the world, and if you're convinced about something, be convinced. Like Paul says, if you can't eat pork, you better not eat pork. If you have faith that pork is of the devil, don't stop. But don't put it on anyone else, right? Don't put it on anyone else. Like if you have um, a conviction about vaccines, like don't stop. But don't tell people or divide, and this is where unity comes in, get over yourself that you now are better than everyone else who has a different view. Or that you deserve to divide from the body of Christ and, and really you're, you're, um, you're taking away the blessing of your presence from their presence. Like, in other words, if everyone does contribute to the body, if you leave, then the body is not what it was supposed to be. Like, it's missing a pinky now because they didn't agree with you. And so all I'm trying to get at is please have your opinions. Please be free. Please think for yourself. Please enjoy a president. That's not wrong. You know, just pick your... That's great. But put it under the lordship of Jesus. 
And this is all about him. And if someone comes to me and wants to know my opinion, I'll share it. If they disagree, I'll say, great, I disagree with you. What does it matter anyway? Like, we worship Jesus, and, and he's the Lord, and he said, be one. So that's not on the table. Like, love isn't on the table. Unity isn't on the table. But we're not going to, like, um, we're not going to take away people's passion to accomplish that. You know what I mean? We're not going to control people. You can't have an opinion. We have to be in unity. No. So you guys get the point. I think I'm, yeah, we, we got to just submit our opinions to the Lordship of Jesus. And I love when people are passionate about politics. Um, I love when people are passionate about the vaccine. I hate when they leave because of it. It doesn't make sense. Um, but I champion people having opinions. It means that you're thinking for yourself, um, which is really healthy. So back to where we were. Be free from pride-filled opinions. doesn't say be free from opinions. <laughs> for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put others first. So it doesn't say, and I know this is the passion, so it might be a little more descriptive. It doesn't say, don't be promoted. It says, don't allow self-promotion to happen in your heart. False humility says, don't be promoted. False humility says, I can't be exalted. True humility is, I will never exalt myself. Only Christ will, because I'm only, I'm only quote-unquote elevated, which I don't need, that's a bad word. I'm only exalted to exalt Christ. I'm only favored to show him, right? So it's not a bad thing to be promoted. God destined everyone in this room to be promoted, but he destined to promote you, not for you to promote you. So um, view others as more important than yourself. Abandon every display of selfishness. Uh, possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. Consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motiv motivation. So I like to think of this. All these good things, you know, be free, uh, be selfless, be humble, exalt others, don't exalt yourself. And now here's the how-to in my perspective. Consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, set and let it become your motivation. Now let's read about that mindset. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself. He became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God exalted him, multiplied his greatness. He has now been given the greatest of all names. The authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will one day submit to this name. In the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm, in the demonic realm, every tongue will proclaim in every language, Jesus Christ is Lord Yahweh bringing glory and honor to God his Father. So the example Jesus set, okay, if you want to walk in perfect unity, one heart, one passion, one mind, this is the John 17 dream of Jesus. I want you to be one. If you want to walk in that, you need to take who you are. This is what Jesus did. He took who he was everything about who he was, everything, and he used it to serve. He took his identity as the son of God, and what did he do with that? He made you and I sons of God. He took, it, he took his identity as king, and what did he do with that? He made you and I kings. He took his identity as righteous, and what did he do with that? He made you and I righteous. He took his identity as holy. Go down the list. He took his identity as healer, and what did he do? He became our sickness and made us healed, and he heals through us, right? He took on us. He got, like Emily, this dovetails into what Emily was preaching last week. He became the lowest of the low. He became the servant girl washing their feet. 
And he said, if you don't let me do this, you have no part in me. What does it look like to have that mindset? And I, I 100%, 1,000% agree with uh, even what Emily was preaching last week, which was it's, it looks like being a servant. But, and I want to add to that, it looks like serving people with your identity. Um, how do I say this? I grew up a missionary kid. And we had this, um, like you can kind of just see this, uh, maybe it's a little bit religious, like idea, or maybe it's just the best understanding we had of, of what serving looked like. And it's, all, it's got some good in it, but there's this false humility that it's like, I have to lay aside my, let's say you're a, a doctor or something. That's worldly. I need to go to the hungry and the poor, and I need to feed them. I need to serve. I need to wash their feet. That's what being a servant is. And yes, that is what being a servant is. Please hear me right here. That is what being a servant is. But then you see someone who's a nuclear physicist, and <laughs> anyone ever seen a nuclear physicist? I haven't, but that's a great example. You see, you know, you just meet them all the time. You see this nuclear physicist, and they leave their job to come and, and, and translate Bibles in the wilderness. And you're like, okay. And they're like, I'm serving. It's like, that's true. But what if really the revelation in this is, who are you? Jesus was the son of God. And he used his strength and identity to make sinners sons. Who are you? Like, I want to sanctify your worldly position, quote unquote. Like, are you a manager and you have 20 people underneath you? What has God favored you into that position for? Like, God has given you an identity. Are you good at talking to people? How are you putting that underneath somebody and raising them higher because of your strength? Like, Jesus took his strengths and put them underneath the weakest person so that he could lift everyone up into himself. So, it's not about laying aside your strengths. It's about finding what, am I cre- what is my expression? What did God put in me? What part of the body am I? Am I the hand? Am I the foot? You know, what is my strength? And then find someone in your life that God has put there and put yourself underneath them. Give away what you've been given. Do you want to grow and break through and in favor? Find where you're favored and find where you have breakthrough and give it away. Find where God has said, I I put my hand on you in this area. And find someone in your life that you can give that to. Are you a boss at real estate? Are you anointed to create wealth? Find someone who's in that journey and invest, invest 10 hours a week. Two hours at coffee, six hours praying for him. That's a lot of time. Are you, you know, you get the picture. What are you in and how has God favored you? Surround yourself with people that are in that same place and begin to lay your life down for those people. Like no greater love has this than a man lay down his life for his friends. And that is in the context of of being martyred or Jesus giving up his life. But before he died on the cross, he gave up his life every day to disciple those men. He gave up his wisdom every day. He, he had a spirit of wisdom, and he put it underneath the apostles. He put it underneath so that everyone came up higher, 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 higher. So none of us have it all, but all of us have a part. We use that, you know, some of us know in part to disqualify people. But what if it's not that? What if it's like, hey, you have a piece of the pie. I have a piece of the pie. Together we have a whole pie. Maybe together we're better. Maybe together we can actually see the full picture. So I just want to announce to you that you are in your position, you are in your place, stay-at-home mom or CEO of a company, financial advisor, construction worker, you are in your place because God has favored you to be there, McDonald's worker, doesn't matter where you are, you have favor on your life, find someone to put it on, find someone to speak into, find someone to disciple, find someone to love, buy someone lunch, I mean it can be very simple, okay? So I kind of wanted to uh, take a different spin on humility. Humility isn't looking humble. It's laying down your life. 
It's being strong for other people to come into that strength. I need you. I need you to know who you are and then, and then bless me with that. Right? I need strong voices in my life to invest in me, to believe in me. <laughs> um, and one last thing I'll say about, about that mindset is, you know, I was thinking, I was talking with Justin about um, uh, David and Saul. And um, I'm on to my last point here, so we're almost done. But I was talking to Justin about David and, and Saul. And, you know, David was favored to kill the giant. And, and he knew because he was in the battlefield with the lion and the bear, he knew how to kill the lion and the bear. And he knew what God had favored him to do, the sling, right, and the stone. And Saul had been in the battlefield of the world and he'd been fighting other armies and stuff, and he had his armor. And you get where I'm going with this, that you can't accept someone else's favor. And you have, we have to get over comparison. So if you want to kill the giant you're supposed to kill, take off Saul's armor. Because who knows what would have happened if David went out there with Saul's armor. So, so what I'm getting at is this family needs you to be you, not to be me, not to be... Andrew, not to be Karen, not to be Greg. You need to be you and be proud and loud about who you are and giving that away to your community. Like, don't undermine yourself because you don't look like Saul. Because maybe you're going to kill Goliath with your pot of stew. Jesus' first miracle was multiplying wine. You know, Jesus multiplied fish. Like, God can do miracles through stew. And I'm you know, God, don't, don't undermine preaching the word, Nathaniel. Don't undermine the position you're in, Nathaniel. Like, things that, when, don't, any position you get in, you always have that voice of comparison or that voice that's trying to undermine your significance. If, you, if the enemy can't get you to shirk aside or, like, a move aside responsibility, he'll get you to believe you're not making an impact. He'll get you to believe you're not changing lives. But humility says, I'm in this for you. I'm cooking this stew for you. I'm showing up for you. It's not about me. I'm laying my life down to see you go higher, to see you be exalted. So don't put on Saul's armor. Be who God has anointed you to be. Start the group you want to start. What, invest the thing you want to invest in. Have the conversation you, you've been feeling to have. Like Step out into what God is asking you to do and give yourself away. Okay, last subject. That was the mindset of Christ. You know, we, so we have the glory and the presence of Jesus inside of you, transforming you, helping everyone around you love you more, creating more unity, helping you love people more. We have the mindset of Christ, which is everything I am is to serve. Everything I am, all my strengths are to come underneath and exalt those around me. And the last one I want to talk about is unforgiveness, which is everyone's favorite one in the room, right? Unforgiveness, and this one's going to be quick, but this is a good power punch. I want to talk about the consequences of unforgiveness. And, uh, um, yeah, the, the story is very long, so you can put it up. It's, um, oh, shoot, I think it's Matthew 18. There we go. Yeah, I'm going to summarize it for you, okay? And then we'll, we'll start in verse uh, 32. So there's a servant. You guys know this story. He owes the king so much money, like billions of dollars. And he comes to the king, and the king says, I'm going to put you in prison. I'm going to put your wife in prison. I'm going to put everything in prison, and you're going to be there until you pay everything off. And he's like, please don't do that to me. And he begs him, begs him, and the king's like, okay, you can go away. I, I forgive your debt completely. I forgive it all. And then he goes to his servant, grabs him by the throat, and demands the money, Right? And he said, I'm going to put you in prison until you pay it off. All right, so we pick up in verse uh, 32. The king said to him, you scoundrel. So the king gets word that this is what the servant did, and he's like, come here. I'm going to teach you a lesson. You scoundrel, is this the way you respond to my mercy? Because you begged me, I forgave you the massive debt that you owed me. Why didn't you show the same mercy to your fellow servant that I showed you? <laughs> In a fury of anger, 
the king turned him over to the prison guards to be tortured until all his debt was repaid. In the same way, my heavenly Father will deal with any of you if you do not release forgiveness from your heart. Wow. I definitely agree with forgiveness, but releasing forgiveness from your heart is way different than I forgive them, Lord, thank you, moving on. Like, it is a choice that moves down into a, a real, like, a, I don't know if feeling is the right word, but an emotional decision, where when you see that person, you're out like, I'd slit your, I would, I would, yeah, geez, that was so bad. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's my, my little boy coming out there. That sounds worse. You know, I grew up with four boys, so we were violent. Okay, anyway, so, you know, I want to, I want to hurt you, but I forgive you. You ruined my entire life, but I forgive you. I can't see Christ in you one ounce, but I forgive you. You weren't born to be great. You're, you're a worm, but I forgive you. You know, we, we're, we're so, what that is, is it's, is it what it's doing is it's, it's fake. And it's, um, I think hypocritical might be the right word because the father, and I'm preaching myself up here, the father says, hey, I forgive you. And you say, why, thank you. That would have cost me a lot. And then you turn around and you say, I don't forgive you. And you owe me. And until you repay me for what you did to me and make up and be nice and be kind and ask for forgiveness, I'm going to hold you in prison and torture you with my anger and bitterness and rage. And I'm going to leave you in prison and walk around my daily life. Well, here's what happens to you. In a fury of anger, Father God turns to you and turns you over to be tortured until your debt is paid. Mm, yeah, that's so fun. This is a great way to end. In the same way, my father will do this. What is the debt that you owe? Forgiveness. What are the torturers? Bitterness. Anger. Actually, dullness of heart. Losing the fire. Quenching the spirit. You become a dried up raisin with no wine because you're in prison. And I want to announce to some of you, you're in prison. Oh, uh, you are. And, and, and I am, and I have been in prison. And prison, really not fun. And you stay there until what? You repay the debt that you owe. And what is the debt we owe the Father? To forgive as we've been forgiven. To forgive as we've been forgiven. That rage, that anger, not all the time does it come from being in prison. Sometimes you... Sometimes the enemy tries to imprison you, amen, with fear and anxiety and yoke of the enemy, but sometimes you're put into the enemy's camp by the Father. I didn't say it. It said it here, that the Father, the Father turns you over to be tortured until you forgive as he's forgiven you in the same way he deals with you. So please just release the forgiveness from your heart. Please do that. Listen, it's not about a big, scary father. He wants to teach you how his world operates. He wants to teach you how his kingdom operates. The good news is that you can forgive your brother and sister. You can, because Jesus did it for you. Just a helpful tool. If you want to do things to someone who hurt you, picture Jesus on the cross and do it to him. If you can't get your rage out of you, Beat Jesus on the cross. <laughs> yeah. If you can't get over your anger, say it to Jesus on the cross because it was atoned for. Father didn't say, no, I've forgiven that person who violated you. I just, I forgave them. No, he punished them in Jesus. In other words, the wrath you want to have happen on the injustice and the violation, it's not for forgotten. It happened. The wrath happened. The injustice that you experienced was, what's the word, retribution? Jesus was judged because of that person's actions towards you. And guess what? Yours towards your, the other person you hurt. Jesus was hurt for that sin. So it's not like you're forgetting it. It's not like injustice is happening. It's that I declare that that justice happened to my Savior. And so no longer do I need to hold you because someone paid your debt off. The father said, I wipe that debt off of you, and I put it on my son. So there's actual power in the cross to be 
released, like justice has been served on Jesus for every wrong that's ever been done to you. Um, and, and really the ultimate agenda of unforgiveness is to dislocate you from the body of Christ. Because if you're so bitter and so angry, there's no way you're going to open up and love people around you. Because there's a void inside of you. There's a pain inside of you that needs love. And so you can't give away what you don't have. And that's where religion comes in and you try to act loving. How, how many of you ever act like you love somebody? Oh, yeah. There's no power in that. Amen? You could still do it. I think it's still a good thing to do. But like as faith, like in faith, I'm going to love that person in faith. I don't feel it, but it will come. But really, the power of love is when it's actually present. When you really love somebody. Not when you just ceremonially, bless you, brother. I'll buy you a cup of coffee, but inside I'm just like boiling over. So you get the point. Um, The Father wants to keep you located in the body, not dislocated. So... so, um, Go ahead and stand up, and we're going we're to pray. We talked about the love of Jesus, the life of Jesus, and I want to invite you to, to remember that Jesus says, I've given you my glory. I've given you my life so that you can do this thing. None of us can do this thing. Amen? Who in here can be one with the body of Christ? Without Jesus, ain't nobody can do that. We need him. We need his love and we need his glory. The second one is we need to assess who we are and lay it down at the feet of the people around us to lift them higher and to exalt their life. The mindset of Christ. I'm going to give away all that I am to serve everyone that's around me. And then the last one is forgiveness is not an option because I don't want to be dislocated from his purpose for my life. If that's the only reason, that's a great one to start with. Jesus has paid the price for me to forgive. I've been forgiven. Forgiveness is not an option. So, Lord, we just stand before you this morning, this afternoon. And we just thank you for all that you've done in this room today. Lord, I, I, we have a dream of a body that's one one in mind, one in heart, and one in purpose, so that the world will recognize that you are God. Would you do whatever you need to do in us? Would you speak to us? And we just say our lives are open, the doors are open, there's nothing hidden, nothing reserved, and nothing off limits. In any area of my life, you are the Lord, and I invite you, we invite you to come and make us one as you are one. Thanks for listening to Jesus Pursuit's weekly sermon. If you would like to be a part of seeing people encounter God, experience transformation, and be equipped to advance the kingdom, you have the opportunity to partner with us through giving at jesuspursuit.org forward slash give. Together, we can make Jesus famous in Albany, the Northwest, and the nations. We hope you have a blessed week, and we'll see you next time.